Thanks, everybody, for tuning into the Shore Thing today. It is January 11th. Warren and Ryan here with you. We'll talk about the national championship game from last night, the crazy week 18 in the NFL. And since it's a Tuesday, there are some golf lines out. I have some golf picks for the Sony Open this weekend in Hawaii. You can check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the iHeartRadio app under the podcast section. Ryan, how's it uh, how's it going on this Tuesday? It's going great. You know, we're uh, wrapped up, put a bow on the uh, college season, which we'll obviously get to. So now we can uh, now I can officially say basketball season has started. So we'll start focusing on that a little bit more and uh, and see where it takes us. I don't think what college basketball season are you saying? Uh, or just NBA, basketball in general? Just basketball in general. You know, I've been keeping an eye on Arizona because they've been playing really, really well. Uh, but I've been super locked into college. Um, really at all i to say that i haven't been super locked in i really haven't watched any college basketball that i can think of uh i've watched a little bit of nba here and there um not a, not a ton but now now it kind of finally starts uh yeah i haven't i don't think i've watched a single college basketball game i've bet on multiple college basketball games but i haven't watched uh a single game i mean i i pretty much said before i'm locked in on the Cavs, so i've been watching pretty much every uh Cavs game going on right now no but today is my favorite day of the year in college football season or one of them is because i love the uh, way too early top 25s love i always it. huh because i love it i always i always love one of them was out at uh 11 30 last night on espn like <laughs> i mean Wasting i think no that time I think they were still doing the national champ. I mean, he already had what it was out. I mean, these these writers know that that they have to do it, so they could just write it before. He just had to add, pretty much, just change the Georgia defending national champions, and then whatever Alabama was. But I love you could go look at ESPN. It says posted ten hours ago. I was like, man, the trophy presentation is still going. I love it. I love the way too early um, top twenty fives there. I think that's. Uh, it's uh it's pretty pretty great all right so we'll get into the national championship game right here last night georgia wins 33 to 18 in what was a a slow starting first half and you could say even a slow starting of the third quarter but the game really came alive late in the third um early on in the uh fourth quarter 29 total points scored in the fourth quarter um so yeah there there was it was a a defensive struggle early on georgia defense played a lot better alabama obviously had the tough injury to jameson williams which probably it changed their complexion on offense um because it didn't really give both of their game breakers on the outside um were gone and they didn't have any dynamic weapons on the outside but georgia who i've been saying i thought was the best team all year they they showed they made some changes on the defensive side. They were getting pressure with four, bringing a ton of blitzes. Their linebackers were incredible last night, and they uh, won after a late uh, a late comeback in the fourth quarter, which was uh, didn't think that Georgia was going to be able to do it, especially after the fumble, which was an amazing uh, recovery, the most inadvertent fumble recovery I think you'll ever see in any football game. Um, and yeah, they came back to win. Yeah. Like you said, it was, uh, you know, I think it was very much kind of a chess match that first half of, uh, 
you know, what's uh, what's what's this team going to do? What, what are we going to do to kind of counteract it? It was kind of bend, don't break, be real conservative, which I think is great and uh, great for, for Kirby to realize that that's what the case was going to be. Um, you know, I don't remember a whole lot about the national championship that they played in a couple of years back, um, but I feel like that's kind of how these things go is the first half is kind of like, you know, Ben, don't break, don't give up 20 big plays. Don't, you know, get down too much or don't, you know, feel like it's your way out over your skis. And then the second half, you really kind of turn it up. Obviously Nick Saban's played in a hundred of these, so he kind of knows how things go. Uh, but I think it was a great kind of, um, I don't even know what the word is, but it like, I guess, like I said, I guess chess matches is, is the best way to put it in that first half. And even that first part of the third quarter, like you mentioned, where both teams were still kind of figuring it out, filling each other out, almost like a boxing match, you know, those first five, six, seven rounds, they, they're filling each other out. Then those last couple rounds and the haymakers really start coming. Maybe that's what it's more like was like a heavyweight bout where, where they're, you know, just trying to find their spot, find their spot. Don't get too much, you know, get your points when you can, uh, you know, don't give up the big shot. And then once things really start cooking, and when it starts getting down on the wire, then you start taking your big shots. But, yeah, credit to Georgia. That defense was sick last night, way different than the defense we saw in the SEC championship game. Like you said, their linebackers, everybody was getting pressure on Bryce Young, uh, you know, getting him off his spot, making him move around a little bit. And then, obviously, like you said, the loss of Jamison Williams was just a huge blow. Uh, and, you know, you tack that on with with John Mechie and I've been playing in this game. Uh, you know, there's not a whole lot that, uh, that Bama could do uh, moving forward. And I, I still think that they had a great shot. So win the game, uh, obviously, like you said, the fumble, which was the very much inadvertent, nonchalant fumble recovery uh, by by Alabama, which was crazy. But they need to punch it in there. There's a couple drives where they were just absolutely moving the ball down the field, no problem. They did score they, a touchdown after the fumble. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that was the touchdown to the tight end. You're correct. Yeah, yeah. The when he was rolling out to his right and hit the tight when end. When he right blatantly pushed off the receiver. You know, you let the boys play a little bit. Uh, but. Uh, but uh, so you're right there, but there were still a couple drives where they were just moving the ball, the, the, the field goal that they got to make it go uh, from nine to 12, that, that drive was, I mean, they were just moving the ball up and down the field. No problem. Alabama was, and then it just stalled out and uh, uh, they had to settle for the field goal. So um, obviously, you know, Hey, if you score a touchdown, you know, you're in a better spot. Yeah. No kidding. Ryan, great analysis there. But uh, you know, in a game like that, you know, especially against Georgia, uh, you know, you got to get the points where you can, you know, get the get the touchdown where you can. But at the same time, Stetson Bennett stunk like he was not having a good game at all. That game was won by the defense. And uh, so, you know, I can also kind of see why Bama felt like they didn't need to force the issue to, to uh, get in the end zone. Well, he was bad for three quarters and then he came alive on their their first or their uh, second touchdown drive when they threw it, when they were rolling them out of the pocket and they got the big. Uh, like first three pass plays, and then they were, I, they threw it every every play on that drive when they when they um they got the rollout for what 18 yards, and then they had the pass interference when the when the Bama player made the smart play of just tackling the guy because he would have gave up a touchdown. Oh, then they genius, yeah, absolutely. great, like great penalty, like smart, like they were saying on the broadcast that like oh Saban doesn't like penalties. I'd be like, buddy, he, Saban will be praising that guy for for doing the smart thing of only 15 yards but then they threw it on it they threw it on every play because then they got sacked and then the next one they did take a deep shot um with the free play and got the touchdown so when they did open it up and decide to be more aggressive he played better much better in the uh in the fourth quarter but early on he was terrible like i tweeted out like oh what like why is jt daniels not gonna play and one of my buddies 
texted me and goes, hey, great call on the Georgia quarterback. I was like, dude, he was terrible. Like, yeah. like why, if they want to win, how is JT Daniels not in this game? And, like, Saban probably would have pulled pulled uh, Bennett at halftime. I would, well, it's also hard to tell because, again, as I just said, they weren't letting him be aggressive and they're like they weren't rolling out the pocket and doing all that stuff when because he stinks you're not gonna let a guy be aggressive that's not very good but okay but you watched that fourth quarter he was amazing in the fourth quarter those final I mean, two he made drives some, he, made, he did make some he made some good throws i think he was four for four uh on those last two touchdown drives well that's showing up when you need him especially after your psyche's probably terrible when the when you just have a uh horrible fumble that you thought was there and you're like oh my god i'm gonna we're gonna blow this or i just i just made a horrible mistake here and then you show up and he just was um he was great when at the end like i don't get why that why that wasn't the game plan from the start like that was what they were doing against alabama in the sec championship game like rolling him out and in the first half first quarter he wasn't horrible he was fine but yeah i thought stetson bennett until the fourth quarter was pretty bad and my and he was like oh look at this georgia quarterback now he's like dude JT Daniels, like, what does that show for him? How bad he is or just Kirby Smart that he's too loyal of a – I was ready to get Kirby Smart's too loyal of a guy to make a quarterback change a la Jake Fromm, Justin Fields, and now this situation. Like, you got to read the room sometimes. Maybe it's not a bad idea. But going back to the Georgia defense, as you said, this is the Georgia defense that has played um, in – 13 out of 14 games this year like that game against Alabama you could I would consider that now an outlier like I know they had Mechie and Williams um but um looking if you go look at their schedule and look at all their games like that game in the SEC championship game was an outlier this Georgia defense that played last night was the one that played against Michigan and played every single game in the regular season where they were just suffocating teams, not letting them run. Um, it is still, I'm amazed that they don't have like a true, like lockdown corner with all the other studs they have on defense. Like they're like their corners are a little shaky, but that's the defense that Georgia had all was playing all season, not the defense that showed up in the sec championship game. Yeah. You know, I, I definitely can't disagree with that. You know, that that's what kind of what we had been talking about all season was just how, um, sick the Georgia defense was. Um, and that's exactly who showed up on, uh, uh, you know, last night they, they did play really, really well. Like I said, getting pressure with four was huge. Cause that was one of the biggest things in that SEC championship game was like, they just really couldn't get any pressure. The offensive line really stepped up for Alabama to, uh, hold that defense at bay. And then that was just, they totally flipped the script on them and, and uh, did the, the complete opposite, uh, uh, last night. I mean, they had four sacks yesterday. Bama had five sacks, nine, nine tackles for loss to Alabama, seven tackles for loss. How about this? I'm looking at the box score right now. When I saw this earlier, I was shocked. So Will Anderson last night, he had four tackles, three solos, no sacks and no tackles for a loss. I was shocked that he didn't have a sack or a tackle for loss. He was, I mean, he was incredible last night. He was all over the place. And I was, that's, that's why looking at sacks and stuff and tackles for loss sometimes is bad because you watch him play. You're like, man, he was active all over the place. I was stunned that he didn't record a sack or a tackle for loss. Yeah, no, he, that's, that is, that is shocking to hear because he, it seemed like he was in the backfield or it seemed like he was always right around the ball uh, a ton last night. So that's, that's crazy to see or to hear. Yeah. And I, 
I, I like I was obviously rooting for George. I thought um, I did think they were going to blow it after the fumble. But I think that it's look, I think it's always good when it's hard to say George is like a new school because they've been they've been in the playoff a handful of years and they lost a championship game in 2018, the 2017 season. But like not winning a title in 41 years, get some new blood in there. Changes up Alabama because the biggest thing for me was this. I I was saying this. I, this is Alabama's worst quote unquote worst team or weakest team I think in in I don't know a handful of years. And if they would have won a national title, what 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 does that say about the state of college football? So at least that's a good thing. I mean Alabama is going to be right up there next year, obviously. And same thing with Georgia. But I think for overall landscape, like having a a new winner. Um, is good and 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 for Georgia them conquering Alabama who has just tormented them every time they have a good season like obviously the Stafford blackout year when I think that was like 2006 2007 they got destroyed the championship game in 2018 as I mentioned earlier this season SEC title game all the SEC title games they've played against each other like them to overcome that is a good um, it's a good story for college football yeah, you know, it's kind of, you know, you get the old-fashioned uh, David slaying Goliath type thing. Uh, Kirby kind of gets over that hump. And, you know, I've trashed Kirby a lot. You know, maybe questioned his intelligence a little bit here and there. But to kind of see him uh, as happy as he was and happy for his guys, you know, you just got to be happy for that guy, too, to really get that giant gorilla off his back of you can't beat Nick Saban, you can't beat him. You know, you, you're every time this big game comes up, you always crap your pants. So, uh, you know, that's it's great for him. We you know we talked about Stetson Bennett. He's going to be set for life in Athens. The guys that should never step field on an NFL field. But, uh, you know, he's going to have he's going to be set up for life there in Georgia. So, uh, you know, and, and, and again, another good story for him, a local kid goes to Georgia, transfers to jo- junior college, comes back on a scholarship. And then he uh, I wouldn't necessarily say he led his team to a national championship, but he was on, you know, he was the quarterback, starting quarterback for a team that won a national championship. So a lot of cool stories around uh, Georgia and the team. And uh, we just know that this means that Alabama is probably going to go undefeated next year and just win it all. He's uh, Stetson Bennett's everything that Baker Mayfield wishes he was. <laughs> yeah, that would, I would agree. A walk on that won a national title. Yeah. And a, and a true this and 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 a true walk. Stetson Bennett was a true walk on. Baker was a fake walk. Does that make sense that he's a fake walk on? Because he was a preferred. Who Stetson Bennett? Yeah, no, what do you, yeah, what do you mean by, uh, yeah, go ahead and explain what you mean by a fake walk-on. Okay, well, no, so that's, like, if you walk-on, you walk-on. The preferred walk-on just means that you get, like, an extra year of eligibility, I think, or something. I don't, I, it's confusing. What I mean by Baker of being a fake walk-on is that he didn't get any offers that he, where he liked. Mm-hmm. So, like, he didn't want to go, he wanted to, he thought he was good enough to play at a big school, which he, he, he was, he showed that. But he was like, I don't want to go play at at these schools. I'm going to go walk on at Texas Tech. And he did. But then he when he didn't like the coaches telling him that, hey, we're playing Mahomes over you because Mahomes is better than you. And he didn't want to compete for a job. Then he ran to Oklahoma and was like, all right, I'll walk on at Oklahoma when at the time didn't really have any good quarterbacks going on there. And he was the starter there. So what I mean, like a fake walk on of like he could have gone places to be like a starting quarterback at a lower level power five or a group of high school. I don't think Stenson Bennett would have gotten scholarships to be at a power five school anywhere in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so that's what I mean, like a quote unquote fake walk on, I guess. I got you. Okay. Which is also being harsh to Baker, but he plays like, oh, I was a walk on, all that stuff, which is an extra chip on the shoulder. And also, like going like after the game last night, you could see, I think you could tell that Saban, like his his on the field. I think it's ridiculous that they ask one question to Saban these coaches before the national championship game. I know they they did it for the playoff. Like, what are they going to do? Like, come on. Yeah. Why, why do they do that? But I think you could tell like before the game, he was like, all right, I know where it were. We're, I thought he felt like they were in over their heads a little bit. Maybe I'm reading it wrong. I, I just thought, and from his reaction at the beginning of the game and then seeing how him and Kirby were talking an extended conversation after the game that he knew that Georgia was the better team this year. Like they thought that they could not saying that he didn't think they had a good chance to win and thought they weren't going to win. I like they had a great chance to win, but like, I mean, he said, he's like, we got our, you guys kicked our ass in the fourth quarter. Um, I just think that you could tell that he knew that Georgia was, was the better team on the whole season. At least that's a, that's, that's the vibe that I got watching the coaching thing and then kind of how he was going about it before the game. Yeah. You know, that's, uh, that's probably true. You know what I mean? Like uh, a smart coach or a good coach knows when the team across them is, is a little bit better, but uh, the difference between Saban and, you know, we'll use Kirby smart in this situation is I feel like uh, Saban still feels like he's got a chance to beat anybody or beat anybody that's across from him. It doesn't matter how good they are. Uh, you know, if he had them going up against, you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars, he'd still have a feel like he'd have a pretty good shot. Or if he was going up against the Steelers, he'd like, Hey, we're going to give it our best shot. This team is probably way more talented than we are way faster, bigger, stronger, but so we're going to give them hell. Whereas sometimes, you know, I don't, I, maybe the narrative changes on Kirby a little bit after this win where you just feel like he kind of cowered down a little bit and turtled up. Well, how could it not change for him? After no, this yeah, win? for sure. No doubt. No doubt. Like I said, I, it probably does uh, because he finally, he finally got over that hump. Uh, you know, and I, I don't know how, how you feel about it, you know, because chances are we're going to see these two teams down do it again here probably in the next, you know, year, two, three years. And, you know, if Kirby isn't able to do it again, does it kind of go back to it? Or is it like, hey, once you've got past that, it's all, you know, it's all it's all it's all gravy after that. It doesn't matter what you do after you win the big one. Well, I, I think. No, I think it's changed. You beat Nick Saban to win a national championship. Look how many coaches, active coaches there are that have won national titles. Yeah. We add one to the list. We got Jimbo, Saban, Dabo, and now Kirby Smart. Or am I missing one? I think there's only four coaches right now because Urban Urban retired. Yeah, and Coach O's gone. Yeah. Look, yeah. look at that. Look at that name of first names: Dabo, Jimbo, and Kirby. And then he got Nick, Jiminy Christmas. Well, Dabo's first name isn't Dabo. Jimbo's first name isn't Jimbo. Yeah. Well, w- William is what his real name is. Yeah. William Sweeney. I don't know what Jimbo's first name is. Did you watch any of the uh, coaches' room last night? No, that was that was th- so. I John actually, Fisher's his first name. John. Yeah. So you so you got John, William, Nick, and then I think Kirby actually might be his first his first name. Probably. It is. Yep. Kirby Paul Smart. How did he not go by Paul? I don't know. Kirby. He's a Southern guy. Yeah, that's wild. All right, about coach's room. Uh, so I was actually watching it at a restaurant with a buddy of mine. Okay. Uh, so yeah, they they actually had they had both streams on, but Jimbo and his coaching staff or whoever that was, they yes. just looked. 
absolutely miserable. Like, why are we here right now watching this damn game? I, I was telling my buddy, I was like, they had to be getting paid by ESPN to be there. There's no way that they're doing this, you know, just as a part of a deal or something like that. You know what I mean? Like they've got to be getting something extra from this. Cause this just looks like these guys want to blow their brains out. No, I think they were doing it for free because they know that coach, if someone's getting recruited, they know it's a four hour infomercial infomercial for the Texas A&M program. Yeah, maybe. And, and like credit to credit to um, Jimbo for just making it him and his staff, because normally they have like four coaches Mm-hmm. Um, on there, and I usually like the co- I usually like watching the coaches' um, film, the coaches' room. But I was like, that's Jimbo and his ten assistants, or however many assistants were up there. I was like, I'm not watching. I'm not watching this. Um, but no credit to them for getting the whole broadcast to themselves, so they could talk about their program. And if recruits are out there, I would assume they they can see clips or go tune in and see how their coaches go and everything. But I saw that. People were watching it and were tweeting about it, and they said it was incredible because it was like five different conversations going on at once, like all mumbling amongst each other, and then a couple like bigger, um, bigger conversations would break out, and then, and then I guess when um, the the earlier the fumble the, for Bryce Young that wasn't that was an incomplete pass. They were all yelling ball and they were all freaked out about the camera angle. And then when it was getting to like the end of the first half, they were <laughs> they like all in unison after a completion yelled like timeout or something like all at the same time, which I guess was pretty funny. So I guess there were like, un- there was the uh, unironic comedy of watching, um, of watching them do it. But, but credit to Jimbo for, for figuring out a way to get them, uh, um, having the whole staff on there. But uh, look, I look. So I I like they have so many broadcasts to ESPN does for that thing. But yeah, um, look, I thought it was a I thought it was an entertaining game. I know it was a typical look. It was a Big Ten first half in Big Ten country. Nobody was complaining about it, um, and it turned into some pretty exciting football at the end. And Georgia is uh, winning. And I I've why would Georgia not be I mean, Georgia and Alabama are going to play each other again in the SEC championship game next year. Wouldn't you think? Why would why would that thing be anything different? The SEC East is pretty down. The West, I would say, who knows what's going on with LSU. I Every time people, like everybody thought the Aggies were going to be good this year, they go 8-4. and four. I know their quarterback got hurt, but um, I don't really know who the best team in the SEC, the second best team in the SEC West is. I would probably lean to A&M, but again, they got to prove it to me. I... Ole Miss is I, Ole Miss. I think is going to be in shambles coming up here. Um, there are rumors about Lane about the Lane train leaving. Did you see that? I did see that. Yeah. So who knows what's going on there? So why would these teams not uh, meet up next year? But uh, good on Georgia uh, getting over the hump, and uh, yeah, they beat uh, they beat Alabama and rewarded their uh, backers for finally for for trusting them once again for taking them as a favorite against Alabama. Yeah. Um, but all right to the NFL, crazy, crazy Sunday. And I would like to say this before we get into everyone is praising like, oh, week 18 and was great. It was great. Haven't we had some crazy week 17s before now? Maybe not to the extent that we had on, on Sunday and mainly the Sunday night game, but I feel like we've had pretty crazy week 17s before about playoff positions and stuff like that. Right. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah, like you said, I don't know if it's been to this extent. Uh, you know, this was very reminiscent of uh, uh, 
well, a couple of years ago in the MLB where we had, you know, a couple play in games and, you know, win and get in games. But this was this kind of had a different vibe to it. Maybe it's recency bias. Maybe it's, uh, you know, whatever it may be. But uh, it just seemed like every game. I mean, not every game. Obviously, there was games like Washington and the Giants that just nobody you know cared about at all. Um, but there was a, a ton of games that had some type of playoff inc- implications, whether it was. One team had to win uh, to get in. One team wanted to win, so they were sitting at the one or two seed, whatever it may be. But uh, there was there was a lot of entertainment going on for for uh, you know week eighteen when there isn't any more fantasy implications. It really uh, kind of lived up to needing a little bit extra juice to get the guys going. Uh, but uh, like I said, it was very very entertaining and a lot of a lot of uh, action going on. Yeah, well, well, the main contributor to the to the action to set up the whole drama for the rest of the day was uh, my Jacksonville Jaguars <laughs> once again beating the Indianapolis Colts at home yeah. like we we talked about the tie scenarios on Thursday I went down through the list if what what if Jacksonville does beat the Colts we both picked them we mm-hmm. both had them plus 16 and a half they were both on our picks um so what would happen if if Jacksonville won, then this sets up a whole like potential chaos situation, just brings in more drama and more scenarios for teams um, if they win. Because if the Colts win, then it's then really the drama for the rest of the day, I think, ends and it just turns into the Chargers and Vikings playing out, playing out for a win and everybody's drama in that game just goes away. Um, But that set up the whole the whole day for the chaos that led on Sunday night. Obviously you had the San Francisco comeback against the Rams when they were up 17, nothing. It looked like they were cruising. Jimmy G couldn't throw with the thumb. And then he figures it out and has a, a comeback, uh, a great drive um, to send the game into overtime. But it all started with Jacksonville, just thoroughly dominating the thoroughly dominating the Colts, which, which hey, if you look at the numbers, I think Andrew Siciliano tweeted this out like since 20, what is it? 14. They haven't won there. I think I said 2014. They haven't won in Jacksonville. The Jags have beat the Colts by an average margin of like, um, 14.5 points going into this game. And what they beat them by 15. So it was, if you look at the averages over the last like seven years, the Jags did what the Jags do when the Colts come to town. Like it's pretty, it was pretty, uh, pretty spot on there but um it all started with that jacksonville game yeah no i mean uh rookie of the year should be trevor lawrence after, <laughs> that, after that performance um offensive rookie of the year but uh yeah it was like you said that that definitely set it up for uh for the rest of the the day and then obviously the Pittsburgh, you know pittsburgh had to win and beat uh, uh baltimore in order to keep their playoff chances alive they do that in an ugly game uh, in, in the rain, sloppy, kind of your typical AFC North game. And then, like you said, we, we put a bow on it with the, I don't think, you know, once, once the game got kicked off, uh, we'll go into the Sunday night game and you see that these teams are, you know, playing for real, you're kind of like, ah, oh, that's things. But then, you know, obviously we get the, the action, the drama there in the last 
quarter for sure. You know, the Chargers are doing their thing going forward on fourth down every single time. Uh, Justin Herbert, I think, was six for six with 100 yards and a touchdown on fourth down, which is insane. Uh, but uh, and then the, the, the last second touchdown to Mike Williams. And then we get into overtime and we're like, OK, here we go. Like, this is it. Just, you know, run it out, kneel it, whatever you got to do, run the clock. And you guys are both in. And uh, then obviously that didn't play out that way because Brandon Staley calls a timeout. He says he wanted to get his run defense on the field, but I don't think uh, Las Vegas had had thrown the ball up to that point. So it's like, why isn't your run defense on the field? Or, hey, how about your defense is just your defense and you don't have to worry about getting your run defense on there. Just get a stop and and they're going to run this thing out and you'll, you'll both be uh, on your merry way to the playoffs. See, I don't get why he's getting just reamed for that timeout there. It was probably, just, probably a little bit of revisionist history because now it's it's come out that they were just going to run the clock out. But it's still even at the time. I mean, uh, um, Al Michaels and, and and Chris Collinsworth were like, oh, I, I don't know about that, like in real time. So I don't even know if I can say it's revisionist history, but in real time, they were questioning that call and and kind of wondering, hey, why? You know, what's he doing here? Why is he calling this time out? Is he, you know, trying to play, uh, you know, one of those kind of like. Uh, you know, you go to shake the guy's hand and, and pull it back, you know, kind of like, hey, yeah, let's let's go ahead and go for the tie. Oh, psych, I'm going to try and get this ball back and score. You know, obviously, if you're uh, Bisaccia, things are going through your mind of, okay, what's this guy trying to do? All right, you know what? Screw it. Let's go ahead and win this game and protect our own asses uh, so we don't, you know, blow it. Uh, but I, I think I think rightfully so, Staley should be getting some heat for calling that timeout. See, I disagree on that. I disagree on that because they there was third and four and they were lined up in shotgun formation. Who like obviously you think they were still going to run the ball. So if if you want to run the ball, get your run defense out there. The problem is their run defense is horrible and they've been getting gashed by everybody all year on the ground. So it's not better. But I think that the criticism for Staley for calling that timeout is pretty ridiculous because they were if if the Raiders were going to play for the tie, they would have taken a knee right when the 40 seconds happened on third and four. Like, why even run a play? Why run that third and four? The, he called timeout with 36 seconds left. And yeah, it looked like they were just going to run out the clock. But say he gets, say he gets instead of 12 yards, he gets five yards and it's a 50, 55 yard field goal instead of what, a 48? So, like, I still think Passaccia probably kicks the field goal because he wants to win. Like, as you said, both teams were playing for the win in overtime. Like, they just happened to both kick field goals on their drives, and the Raiders had it. Like, if they were seriously going to play for a tie after after the game, after both teams kicked a field goal, the Chargers tied it up with a field goal, the Raiders got it back with, what, three minutes to go? Yeah. Wouldn't have they just – they would have taken two knees – Everybody would have seen they would have played for a tie. No one would have called a timeout. And then the Raiders would have gone and, like, got a first down. And the guy would have just fell down right after he got the first down. And they would have need, needed out the rest of the game. So See, that part I disagree with. Because if you're the Raiders and you take two knees, I mean, what's stopping the Chargers from that point calling timeouts after the knee? And it's like, oh, okay, so we're trying to play for this thing. You know what I mean? Cause well, then I think there's, like, the whole – there's the whole like, okay, they're playing it out for a tie. Then we're going to give them the first down. We know we're both in with the tie. Like, yeah. that's what it's like. The it's like the silent nod, like the like the look of just like looking nod of, yes, we both know what's going on here. Like, yeah. this is this is what we both want to happen. So 
Like if the Raiders really wanted a tie, they they could have even taken three knees after the timeout, after the two minute warning because they had first down and just hey the game's over. And I am, it worked out for the Raiders because they ended up winning. But what if Josh Jacobs fumbles, and it's a scoop and score the other way? The Raiders are looking like a bunch of idiots because they could have taken three knees and they're in the playoffs. And if that happens, that's like the ultimate what if. But but then they well, I mean, same thing on the field. Goal. Like, what if, what if there's a bad snap, a scoop and score, yes. there's a blocked punt, taking it back to the house? So, I mean, there's a lot of different scenarios that could have happened. Um, but so, you know, I, I don't I still think that if you just kind of let that clock run out, then uh, then you don't give the Raiders a chance to go over to the sidelines and talk about it either. You know, what I mean, they, they had made their mind up. And then you call the timeout. Then they go back to the to the uh, sidelines. And for better or worse, obviously for better because it worked out, they kind of second guess their decision and say, "All right, hey, let's go ahead and go try win this thing." When they'd already seemed like, or at least that's where they they've stated thus far that they were going to uh, that they were just going to run the clock out and play for the tie. So I think that's why it's also a bad decision too, because then you have you give Basaccia and the rest of the uh, Raiders coaches and Derek Carr, whoever is involved in that decision making the chance of the human element of second guessing themselves and going back and saying, Hey, why don't we go ahead and try to win this? Even with all the stuff that you just mentioned, that could have happened, you know, a, a botched snap, a fumble, you know, whatever it may be. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's the other reason why I think it was a poor decision for Saley to call that timeout. I don't know. I disagree because they give up 12 yards or they, they give up 10 yards on the run. Like if he gets, they ended at the 39 yard line. If, if they stop him for a loss, the, the Raiders are definitely just going to run out the clock. Yeah. Because it's going to be a 50-yard, it's going to be a 57-yard field goal. Like, if they even probably get four yards, five yards, and they get a first down, they're probably still going to run it out because they're not going to want to try a 50-something-yard field goal with all the variables that can happen. It only happened because they ran, and they the Chargers weren't able to stop them uh, for less than 10 yards, and they were able to try a 47-yard uh, field goal. I, I, I don't, I don't. I don't understand why he's getting why he's getting killed for it too. As I said too, we're just kind of spinning. But it didn't seem like the rate. Yes, they were running the clock up, but they were still running plays. Like they weren't just like they were just running the ball and they couldn't stop. They they even threw a couple passes too. Like if you're thinking they threw a pass with a minute and twenty seconds left or something like why why would you just not if you're playing for the tie why would you just not run the ball? So they were clearly never not playing for the tie there. I mean, they they stated as such that they yeah. that they were. There. I know. So 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 then why is why are people criticizing him for the timeout? Because it looked like they were, it looked like they were running the clock out at the time. But afterwards, they're saying we're playing for the win. And Staley was like, I want my best guys out here so I could hopefully get a longer field goal. Or maybe if they don't get anything here, if there's a penalty or something, then they'll just take a knee and we both go to the playoffs. I, I mean, I don't know. I it, look there. This thing can go in a hundred thousand different directions of of what the right call was. Um, but again, yeah, you know, we're we're obviously going to disagree on this. But I, I just think it was a, it was a poor poor decision. And Staley, uh, I guarantee you if he could go back, he probably wouldn't call that timeout. There's no way that he says, "Hey, yeah, if I could have that thing again, I, I'd still call that timeout." There's just no way because you still gave up the big chunk run, even with getting your quote-unquote run defense in there. So leave your regular defense in there or whatever defense you had in there to begin with, whether it was nickel, I don't know, I didn't see it, and see if you get a stop. You know what I mean? So it, it, it that big chunk run, I think, really negated it all. Uh, so maybe it wasn't even the timeout that, that did it, but it was that, that third down run where he busted off, what was it, 10 or 15 yards, 10 yards. and got him into field goal range. So, you know, but again, the fact that that happens – 
after the timeout, it's going to make it look like the timeout was the, the cause of the issue. Yeah, and just not the fact that their run defense has been atrocious all season long. Correct. Um, and the like, the other thing too from the game is the inability of the Chargers to do anything except when fourth down came up. Yeah. Like, like the. I mean, I saw numbers today. Herbert was six of six on fourth down for like 102 yards and a touchdown. And a touchdown. Yeah. On third down, he was five of 16 for 55 yards and a pick, I think. Like, their inability to do anything until it came to fourth down and making amazing throws on fourth down was something else. And the other thing, too, is I, I've, there's a lot of people that hate Brandon Staley out there. Just go watch Twitter. Go follow people, mainly Chris Felica. He hates, he hates Brandon Staley. What does like, he know? Huh? What does he know? Well, that's the whole, here's the thing about Brandon Staley that I think people should be applauding. The man is consistent with his decisions every single game. 100%. 100% like, agree. He he goes for it. Like people saying he's the he thinks he's the smartest man in the room. He thinks he's the smartest man in the room. How can you knock a guy for consistency? How many coaches do we knock for being inconsistent every single week of of when the, oh they go for it this week but they but they don't go for it in this situation uh, later on in this game even the man has his principles and he sticks to them mm-hmm. so if he wants to go for it on fourth and one from his own eighteen yard line you might disagree with it but guess what. He's sticking with his principles. Maybe don't criticize going for it on fourth and one. Maybe don't run it up the middle after a run up the middle on third and one didn't do you any good. Maybe pick a different play call. But the man is consistent. And from a coach, you should want consistency. The players know he's consistent. They know when it is four down territory. They know what they're going to have to do. So why are you criticizing a coach for being consistent when when people want coaches to be consistent all the time. That's the thing I don't get. Yeah, you can disagree with his decisions of maybe it was a little reckless for him going for it on fourth down there. But you know what? They held him to a field goal. Um, so it wasn't all that bad. And they knew that he wasn't going to be able to stop him on offense all day. Like they haven't been able to stop him. So he coaches differently against the chiefs and, and, and the Raiders offenses that he knows their defense is going to have trouble stopping. And then when he has uh when a worse offensive team, he'll change up his strategy. But overall, the guy is consistent. I don't understand why people just want to criticize him for consistency. Like that's what he does because it's a new age style and people hate how, 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 how many times people go for it on fourth downs. A hundred percent. I mean, we've, we've blasted, uh, Kingsbury, uh, you know, the list goes on and on of guys that we've blasted or, or, or given shit for because they are so inconsistent and don't make the, what we would assume is the correct decision or even the same decision in very similar situations. And, and so for Staley, like you said, he sticks to his guns. He's consistent. He always makes the same call, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent, whatever the fans may think is right or wrong. Uh, he stays with it. And I think, for his team, that's got to be huge because, A, they're not questioning, okay, what are we going to do here? Do we have to do this? What do we have to do to get you know into that situation? And, two, 
he obviously shows confidence in his uh, in his offense and in his quarterback and his the guys that he's got. So that's got to give you a little extra boost of morale if you're on the offensive side of the ball. Of, hey, he trusts us to get the first down or get the yardage needed in any situation. And so that's got to be a big guy, you know, a big thing in the locker room. And guys like to play for a guy like that, that he that they know trust them and that they know is going to be consistent. And they're not questioning. You can kind of be in lockstep. One of those things, you know, if like if you're Herbert, you know, and you're sitting at fourth and six at the 45 yard line he's like he already knows hey we're going for it there's no question you know one of those things where he, you already know what the other guy's thinking before he even says it so that's a huge boost now obviously the chargers missing the playoffs is tough um for that argument but still i think this is a good team and and uh you know they're a couple pieces away on the defensive side i think for being a very good team yeah they just need to improve on the defensive side that right tackle is getting abused last on by matt crosby but i just still can't yeah, like they know on third, like Herbert knows on third and eight in certain spots, hey, you know what, I don't need to go for the first down here because if, if we get fourth and one or fourth and two, we're going for it. Mm-hmm. Like the whole thing of goes back to the Rodgers and LaFleur thing in the conference championship game last year. Like Rodgers yeah. thought they were going to go for it at the end and LaFleur kicks the field goal. That's coach and quarterback not being on the same page. Herbert knows him and Staley are on the same page. They know what's going on. Um, but yeah, them missing the playoffs is tough, but obviously Derek Carr, what a guy leads the team to the playoffs, another game winning drive for Derek Carr this season. I think that's six on the season. Add, add it to the list of things, Derek Carr. Um, I really do think people forget. I, I know I'm, I like Derek Carr. I, I talking him up as he's better than what he is, but, um, I, people forget that he like when they played the Texans in that playoff game, he like broke his leg or ankle or whatever he was at. Like he was, they were 12 and four. Like they were really damn good that year. And it's taken him some time to come back from that. And his team hasn't been that great. Coaching's probably been shaky here and there, but he's a damn good quarterback. I, I would say I would, I would t- want him. He seems like a good leader. Everybody likes him. Like that's a guy you want on your team. Yeah, no, he's 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 definitely improved. And this year, I think, was a huge jump for him. And, uh, you know, he's taken a big step forward, which you usually don't see that this late in guys' careers where he's he's really kind of taken over that leadership role. Uh, you know, he's he's also one of those guys that, you know, with all the stuff that's gone on around the the Raiders organization, you know, he's kept a clear head, uh, you know, stayed focused and, and kept his eyes on the prize. You know, I don't think this team's going to make a Super Bowl run by any means, but he's definitely a guy that you want – uh, you know, at the helm kind of leading the team because of the way he kind of looks at things, the way he, you know, just his whole mindset about, uh, you know, things going on with the game and, and surrounding it. Yeah, I think they got a good shot against the Bengals, too. Oh, yeah, plus um, six. I saw the first of plus six and a half. Give me the Raiders yeah. all day long. Um, Because that Max Crosby is going to cause a lot of problems, I think. Um, And I, I yeah, I I. Look, I got a, a little teaser for Thursday, but I think I got a, a a double game of the century, two two game of the centuries. Game of the century, okay. Games <laughs> I'm si- of the century. Huh? Games of the century. Seriously, I I mean, I think there's two of them that I I well, one of them I knew immediately was going to be a game of a a lock of the lock, whatever you want to call it. Um, I'll just say now the Chiefs. You could give that. You could you could move that number to seventeen. And I'd still take the Chiefs. That's hilarious because I was literally having the same conversation last night with my buddy because he's a Steelers fan. They uh, suck. And, but 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 he he's he's like he's like a full blown jaded Steelers fan. Like he's not like yes. wave the flag for you know waving a terrible towel. Like he's just like you know whatever. And uh, so we were talking about that because we were looking at the lines for the playoff games. 
And he was like, the Steelers, oh, man, they, they got a shot. And I just started busting out laughing. I was like, buddy, they have a zero shot. And, and I literally said, I will give you 17 points and take Kansas City. And he goes, really? You'll do that? And I was like, give me whatever number you want. Kansas City is going to beat uh, uh, the Steelers because ben ben, Big Ben stinks. Najee Harris, yeah, he's good. Derek, TJ Watt's good. But, I mean, what else are you going to do? Like, that team, no chance. It, it, that's funny that you said that because I had the exact same reaction. We literally saw this game being played two weeks ago, and the Steelers didn't. They scored a field goal in the first three quarters. And Big Ben can't throw the ball. Big Ben doesn't throw the ball 10 yards down the field. He can't. Like, they are bad. And the Steelers' defense is bad. Like, their rush defense is terrible. If you, like, you want you want to know Galaxy Brain, like, whatever, TJ, if you look at, like, the pressure rate and, like, pass, pass rate, win rate, like, all these advanced numbers, TJ Watt is an average, is, like, an average pass rusher. He just gets a ton of sacks because Casey Hayward is a beast in the middle, and he vultures half the sacks from him. Like, TJ Watt's numbers and pressure rate, he's, like, 65th in pressure rate this year. Mm-hmm. He's he's in, in a... Win rate, he's like 60th. I saw these stats. Like he is having, he's just getting sacks because the other guys on the line are doing it. And don't get me wrong, TJ Watt is an amazing player. He he is he's a great outside linebacker, dropping coverage, do all that. He is an amazing player. But if you look at like the deeper numbers, he's having an average year. He's just getting a ton of sacks. But the Steelers are terrible. Like I said this last week, the fact that they're in the playoffs, like Mike Tomlin should get like Coach of the Year stuff. Like they are so bad. They they. <laughs> They they did get lucky because they beat a, a zero confidence Baker Mayfield and Tyler Huntley turned into a pumpkin in the in the red zone the other day and the and the Ravens didn't know what to do but to squeak their way in the playoffs but the fact they're in the playoffs like this team stinks Roethlisberger sucks um, okay here's the thing who does anybody like Ben Roethlisberger like why are we doing this whole Big Ben Victory parade. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. He's a horrible human being. He's hasn't been a good quarterback for what three, four years now. Mm-hmm. Like he was bad last year. Like I get it. He won two Super Bowls, but the last Super Bowl he won was what two thousand and nine. Two thousand nine. Yeah. Two thousand nine. So he's been thirteen years without a Super Bowl. I don't think the Steelers have won a playoff game since two thousand and. And 14, like, yeah, he's had a, he's had a good career, but I don't think anybody, nobody likes big Ben. I'll tell you this. I don't even think half the Steelers fans like big Ben. He's just seriously, he's just been their quarterback and you know, you got to support the guy cause he's your quarterback. I don't even think half the Steelers fans like big Ben and half of them have been trying to run him out of town for the past four years. Cause they know he sucks. Yeah, no, I agree. I've had I've had the same thought process of, you know, when he's going around and, uh, you know, doing his whole uh, victory lap around the stadium and he's got his wife and kid there and we're all celebrating Big Ben like he's this, you know, great human being and, and great quarterback. Well, I, you know, I agree a whole lot with with what you said. You know, he's hasn't been a great human being. He's been a good quarterback. Uh, you know, I think he gets a lot of a lot of pub for the stuff that he did early in his career you know, when they had one of the best defenses in the league and he didn't have to do a whole lot, but uh, yeah, outside of that, I'm not, I'm, I'm a little, uh, I'm a little perplexed as to why we're celebrating him the way we are as well. Yeah. And, and, and like, 
I get it. The guy's been a stall. He's been the quarterback for one of the stalwart franchises for however many years he's been, 17 years, 18 years, whatever. And you win two Super Bowls with the Steelers. You're going to get a good send off. And I understand like, like that, like if Aaron Rodgers retires as a, as a Packer, like, He's going to get an incredible send-off. Brady, you, if, if he would have finished with the Patriots, he would have done, got an amazing send-off. Obviously, um, that, like Eli. I don't. I, I would say this. Eli Manning has had just as good a career as Ben Roethlisberger, and it didn't seem like he got this joyous of a send-off. Uh, you know, I might a little bit of pushback on that just because Ben won more games. Well, they both won two Super Bowls, though. Correct. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, the whole Roethlisberger thing, and then, like, Monday night, when 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 Brian Green like it's so funny to see to hear these guys on like these when they're calling a game like Steve Levy's not gonna he's such a coward he's not gonna bring up anything uh Ben Roethlisberger's past like he's not gonna say that um Riddick Lewis Riddick's probably not gonna say it. so it's up to Brian Greasy and Brian Greasy he's not gonna ruffle any feathers he's just like oh he makes some immature decisions oh so settling two sexual assault cases and making immature decisions that, I, I mean, I bet Brian Greasy's made some immature decisions in his life. I've made some immature decisions. You've made some immature decisions. I don't think anything involved lock, uh, being in bathrooms in Georgia and in a hotel room in Reno that end up being settling uh, sexual assault cases. That's a little more than a than a uh, immature decision in my mind. How we have to tap dance around it for a quarterback is insane. Just call it what it is. Say what yeah. a spade a spade is. Because I guarantee you when Deshaun Watson is, is back next year, they'll be like, oh, Depending what it is, is he had to settle this many cases and it'll be up there. It's mm. just it's call a spade a spade. Yeah. Um, but uh yeah, I just didn't know about the uh why why this the Ben send-off is just it's it's nauseating. I honestly it's nauseating. And that Monday night boot, they stink. I know we've talked about it a lot. I'll I give me Herb Street and Fowler over them any day of the week and then twice on Sundays. Yeah. Like, Look, I, I'm a big fan of Lewis Riddick. Love Lewis Riddick, but I think it's the combo of Steve Levy and Brian Greasy. I think Brian Greasy should be a college uh, guy. Uh, you know, he knows that game very well. He's just bland enough to where he's still a little interesting when he calls the college games. But Steve Levy just really doesn't have like Steve Levy. I think is good uh, with hockey and some of the other stuff he does. But for Monday Night Football, he doesn't have that 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 like big game voice. Not that every Monday Night game is a, a big game. A lot of them actually stink. But uh, I think that's also part of it, too, is like when you do have a clunker of a game, trying to keep the, the, the audience engaged a little bit and kind of keep things a little bit loose and light. And I just don't know that they that they're able to do that. Also, too, what is this, their first or second year? Their second year, second year. Maybe they're still trying to find it. I don't know. That's well, the thing is, Greasy and Greasy and um, Levy were doing college games together. Correct. So, like, they've worked together for a while. They throw Lewis Riddick in. Look, I like Lewis Riddick. I think he's good. But there's just no there's no just cohesion between them on the air. Yeah. I don't think. I just think it's a bad. I just think it's a bad Brock. I don't think Levy's any good. Just stick to hockey or college football, whatever. I mean, they've really struggled since uh, Me Too Mike Tirico left, went to NBC. They haven't. I thought McDonough got a raw deal. I like McDonough. Also, I saw some things where it didn't sound like McDonough liked doing Monday Night Football, which is kind of surprising to me. But hey, that's uh, that's what it was. But ESPN hasn't been able to do the figure out the Monday Night booth since uh, since uh, Me Too Mike left. Who did they run out tested? To? Oh, Witten and Booger. God, that was bad. Yeah. Um. Um. Yeah. Since since Tariko left, they haven't been able to figure it out. But all right, we'll have a full playoff uh, with with picks this weekend. But I think a couple games we can uh, figure out what we will. 
be on. All right, some some golf picks. I'll tell you this: if you want to bet golf, do not do it on an offshore site. Your your odds stink. I was I've been looking at odds um, today, comparing odds. You might have to have someone sign up in a in a legal state in the U.S. to bet because these odds are so much better than than uh, what uh, offshore sites are uh, offering. But they're at the Sony Invitational, so I got a winner. Uh, Mark Leishman to win 16 to one played pretty well last weekend. And then, uh, top 10, I like Stuart sink. He's plus 700 to top 10. Also, you want to sprinkle a little top 20. I, uh, don't hate that as well. And then a top 20 play. The guy is the leading money winner in, uh, in the Sony open. He's 20 for 20 on cuts every year. Automatic top 20 Charles Howell the third. I think he's, let me, let me pull it up here. Charles Howell the third plus 220. For a top 20, I uh, like those odds. So those are the guys. Leishman, you want to bet him top 10, too, uh, because he's a winner to cover yourself there. His top 10 odds are 2-1, uh, to one, so not that great. But Leishman to win, Stuart Sink top 10, and Charles Hell top 20. We're going to throw a couple darts here. Let's go Sung J.M. top 10, plus 225. That's a We're... popular pick to win this week. Okay, let's do it. Uh, oh, to win outright? Yeah, people like him to win this week, yeah. Ooh, plus 1,600. All right, maybe you sprinkle that a little bit. Uh, I'm going to take my boy Hideki, top 10 as well, plus 250, and then got to take my guy. Got a little inside insider trading info. Siwoo Kim is going to be a top 10 finisher this week. Might be even top five. We'll see, but we'll take him top 10 at plus 600. Because he played pretty well last week, I think. Yeah, very. Um, I think he shot nine under on Friday. Yeah. Um, I Look, okay, so I will say, look, offshore sites for winner, good odds. Top 10s and 20s, bad odds. Mm. I should say that because winning, I'm looking at the odds. They're about the same for winners. But then when you get in the top 10 and 20s, that's when things go uh, haywire out there. But, the, okay, so golf, I don't know if you watched any golf this weekend, but there's there was a – I don't think you did. There's <laughs> there's big news. Uh, Bryson has changed the look, his look. Is that right? I had not seen that. Normal baseball hat for him, not the not his other hat. Not his Peaky Blinders hat? Not the Payne Stewart hat. He has ditched the Payne Stewart hat, and he is going with the normal baseball hat. All right. Well, love to see it. And I didn't even realize it the first time I saw him on uh, on Thursday when I was watching. Someone pointed it out on Twitter. I was like, I've been watching this guy for 13 holes and didn't even realize he was wearing a normal hat. Yeah. Um. So hopefully he uh, he keeps that up. He, he withdrew from the field. Uh this week but all right do you have anything else to discuss i think that's all i have for today uh yeah no that's all i have as well um you made me go and, and track all my picks team by team so we're going to talk about that on thursday all right we'll do that on thursday i do have my team totals in the nfl um if you want to go back and look those okay up those so all right we'll do that on thursday when we give our picks our recap of the team totals that's a little a little teaser here pretty good um, of the four that I had, and we will go. How, how, who was your uh, most successful team? Because I could tell you who mine is. I did, I halfway through it, but I could already tell who my most successful team was. Uh, well, so I had a couple, I guess my most successful team would probably be the Raiders. I was four and one with them. Wow. Yeah. I was three and oh with the, with the uh, Bears, three and oh with Miami. Um, yeah, those, so those were probably my most successful. I picked a, Packers nine times and I went five, three and one with them. 
All right. Uh, they uh, they they went twelve and five against the spread all season. So I picked three games where they where they didn't cover. But yeah, I guess the Raiders were probably uh, probably the 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 most successful four and one. I didn't pick. Did you have any teams that you didn't pick? Uh I I have to, the problem is I stopped writing them down. I went oh, okay. to the Action Network app later through week like week fourteen. I ran out of room on the sheet and I didn't go to the next page. So that's where I'm getting. I have to go back through the Action Action okay. Network app. Yeah, because I, I, I didn't pick the Giants, the Giants at all, which shout out to me because they stink. Um, and I didn't pick Pittsburgh or New Orleans all season. OK, no, I, I did pick Pittsburgh and New Orleans. I think a team I didn't pick um, would be. No, I was going to say the Falcons, but it's not. Um, I loved the Falcons this year. I, I went two and four with the Falcons. I don't know why the hell I picked them six times, but I did. If there was a team I didn't. I don't. I think I might have picked every team. Oh, okay. Um, I'm not sure. I because I'm looking at most of my stuff, um, and I think I picked every team this week or every every team this year. I did go five and zero oh this past week to finish the season at fifty five and thirty five. There you go. Um, yeah, sixty one percent. I, I uh, went three and two, so I finished forty eight, forty and two. I'm probably right around the same percentage. <laughs> we have, we've the, the the three wins were the ones that you tailed me on uh you tailed me on <laughs> tomato tomato um <laughs> um but uh yeah so that that was good but i would say my most successful team so far is uh dallas yeah they were wagons against the spread yeah they're best team in the league against the spread yep, yep. 13 and 4 yeah i went 3 and 1 with them uh this season yeah i picked dallas a lot um, so, all right, that'll do it for us this week or not this week today. We'll be back on Thursday with picks. We'll look at our team totals, our, uh, team by team basis as well. So thanks everybody for listening and talk to you then.